Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. All right, to break an addiction, my goodness, what a, what have I bitten off here? And I probably won't be able to chew it all. Um, over the last 30 some odd years, however long I've been trying to help people, uh, starting in ministry and then counseling and therapy for years and then the healing codes, almost, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody who did not have some type of an addiction. Now, that word scares some of us because we think, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, the, the, the biggie addictions. But an addiction is an addiction. It doesn't have to be that. I mean, I've known people whose lives were ruined uh, from being addicted to romance novels. Not only did they read them all the time when they should or could have been doing something productive, but it gave them an unrealistic view of relationships, romance, marriage, and that sort of thing, so that they were they were not satisfied with what really was a very good relationship. I've known people whose lives were ruined by... Um, Food addictions, chocolate, fried things. Um, I've been addicted on and off in my life to Dr. Pepper, okay? People in the company know that, all right? Um, and, and so an addiction can be almost anything. I've known people whose lives were ruined from working too much. I've known military people whose lives were ruined from being addicted to discipline, thinking that, you know, checking off the list, doing the right thing, um, and, and discipline would mean success in their life and for their marriage and for their children. And so they applied this strict set of rules and regulations to everything and everybody and a lot of times ended up alone and miserable and themselves addicted to 
something, okay? Uh, not always. And, and a lot of these things that we're talking about are absolutely fine things in balance. But it's when you get out of balance. Nothing. Reading books is great. Mystery novels, whatever. I mean, all that's terrific. Television in balance. And hopefully... You know, shows that build you up and are make you feel good. I like the Hallmark Channel. I like um, the channel where they uh, show Andy Griffith and some of those old classics and things like that. But sometimes, too, I like a rock'em, sock'em action-adventure movie just for fun, okay? But most things in balance are okay. Not everything, but most things. But it's when you get out of balance or when you get to the things that are not okay, kind of just in and of themselves. So where does that come from? Where does it come from? And, and, and how do we fix it and, and all that sort of thing? Well, the word addiction is from the Latin, and it means an inclination or proclivity to something that is harmful, or at least harmful in that quantity or in that frequency or whatever. So where does that inclination and proclivity come from? Well, if you've listened to this program more than four or five times, you probably should know. It comes from our most basic programming, our stimulus response, pain to seek pleasure and avoid pain programming, the programming that dominates the first six years of our life in order to keep us alive, and it's part of our survival instinct. And it's a wonderful part. It's probably saved your life a number of times uh, if you're listening to this program. But after we get to six or seven or eight, we're supposed to stop living by that unless it's a life-or-death emergency, when it kicks in automatically. We don't have to try to live by it then. We can't help it. It kicks in automatically. And, and we're on interstate, and the 18-wheeler veers over on us. Our, stimu our uh, uh, survival instinct kicks in, fight or flight, and we swerve the car over before we even have time to think. I need to swerve the car over, and it saves our life. But outside of that, once we get to 8, 9, 10, 12, and especially, my goodness, when we're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, we've got to quit living like five-year-olds and start to live based on what we believe is right and is in love and truth. Okay. The fundamental thing about this, uh, about an addiction is that it is a love substitute. Every addiction I have ever seen, I would call a love substitute. Imagine that if you were 100%, totally, completely, 24-7, unconditionally loved to the maximum by God everyone else in your life, and yourself. Do you think that would have any effect on becoming addicted to something unhealthy? Well, I think it would eliminate it. 
Because even if I did something unhealthy, maybe by accident or whatever, that unconditional love programming would kick in and say, you know what, this is probably not a good thing for me to be doing. And that's connected to my conscience, which I call the love compass that's in our heart, okay? So in any and every situation, that conscious, if it's not being um, overpowered by all the fear programming, will guide us to the loving action, behavior, thought, feeling, etc. Okay? So I believe that if we were living in 100% maximum total 24-7 love, we would never become addicted. Why? Because there's nothing better than that. I would try my Dr. Pepper and it wouldn't anywhere near measure up to that. And out of and out of unconditional love comes sorry about that. My uh, I've got a phone ringing. Sorry about that. Um but it's no big deal. We'll keep going. Out of unconditional love comes joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, hope, trust, belief, self-control. Humility. Well, that means that out of love comes peace. Peace means my stress, anxiety, worry, fear is going to get better and better and better and better and better as long as I'm living in love until finally I have virtually no stress in my life at all. I'm happier. I'm healthier. My cells are open and can't get sick, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton at Stanford University, who says that every cell at any given time is either in is either open in growth and healing mode or it's closed in self protection mode. And a cell that is in that is open cannot get sick. It's impossible. Which means you can never get a disease or the flu, or most other things, and even and even outside of not getting sick, you, you can't have a bad day if, if all your cells are open and in growth and healing mode. Well, what causes them to close? Fear, which is what causes the stress response that we call fight or flight. All right. So if we're constantly living in love, there's no fear. Because the love eliminates the fear, like turning on the light in a dark room, okay? So how do we get messed up in these love substitutes when we don't experience that love and we fundamentally, either consciously or unconsciously, think, feel, and act from a place of... I am fundamentally not okay where I am with what I have and my current circumstances and experiences. Let me say that one more time. When we when we become entrapped in a love substitute, it is always because of pain that we're experiencing or a perceived lack of pleasure and thoughts, 
feelings and beliefs that say, I am fundamentally not okay where I am, what I have, with what I have, and in my current circumstances. Okay. So, the, 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 the problem is that 99% of the time, that's a lie. You are fundamentally okay. And, and from right where you are, you can start living in love day in, day out with God, yourself, others. If, if that's really your desire and intention and with the use of the tools that we can help you with and things that we're going to get into in, in a few minutes, okay? But that's where it comes from. It's a love substitute based on perceived pain or lack of pleasure, physically or non-physically, that says, I'm not okay where I am. And so I've got to do this or not do that, which is going to make the pain better or distract me from it, which is going to produce some pleasure in my life that I feel like I really need right now. And sometimes we do, but again, in balance. I'm talking out of balance, okay? Every time we act out of our pain-pleasure programming, in a way that's out of balance, it is a fear-based action, behavior, feeling, etc. Every time, 100% of the time, no exceptions. Okay? The significance of that is an addiction is fear-based. So, if I'm trying to fix an addiction because I'm fearful that if I keep doing this and the results of this are going to be something that ruins my health or ruins my marriage or ruins my finances or whatever, fear cannot heal fear. It doesn't work that way. That's outside the, the physical laws of nature. Addressing fear with fear creates more fear every time. Well, since the addiction comes from a state of fear, that means when you're trying to heal a fear-based addiction out of fear of what this addiction is going to do to me, chances are it's going to get worse and worse and worse and lock you into a vicious cycle. That's why I'm told by my good friend Mark Victor Hansen, the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, that the largest category of book sales virtually every single year are diet and weight loss books. Who buys them? The same people that bought them last year. Because they are trying to fix a fear-based habit or addiction out of fear, and it will only make it worse. The way to heal a fear-based addiction 
is with love, not with fear. Love will heal it. And will heal it every time if it's enough love, the right love, etc. Doesn't mean doesn't mean there won't be any withdrawal, although a lot of times there's not, even if it's chemical. I've seen that many, many times and there was no explanation for it. But sometimes, yes, there'll still be some withdrawal, but you'll be able to deal with it. Okay. To break an addiction, there's there's several ways to come at it. And some of these are unhealthy ways. Some of them are, I think, very healthy ways. All right? But let's list them and then talk briefly about them. Number one, be separated forcibly from the substance or thing. This is what... Um, Inpatient addiction centers are, if you didn't know it, there is a relapse rate of inpatient addiction centers of about 99%, even though most of them cost huge bucks to go through, all right? Terrible track record. Uh, The relapse rate in Alcoholics Anonymous, I looked it up online just a few minutes ago, is estimated at 95 to 99%. Doesn't mean Alcoholics Anonymous is not a good organization. I have a great deal of respect for them. I have a disagreement about a thing or two, but think by and large they've done a tremendous amount of good, and I'm all for groups supporting each other, having each other's back, being able to talk to someone in a safe situation, that sort of thing. But it doesn't work a whole lot. 95 to 97% failure rate. The... Self-help world, which is a multi-billion dollar industry every single year in the United States alone, not even counting all over the world, where it's many more billions a year, 97% plus failure rate. Why? Because usually you're addressing a fear-based problem out of fear, trying to fix it, and it usually won't work. But option number one, to be separated forcibly from the substance or thing. Number two, to hit bottom. And I mean really hit bottom. Not almost hit bottom, but really hit bottom. I've told the story before of a friend of uh, of ours, Hope and I, that we have known for many, many years. And uh, the gentleman was a three-pack-a-day smoker for about 40 years. Okay. Uh, had tried to stop a hundred times, never could, never could come close. I don't, I don't know that he ever went more than a couple of days. Okay, he's not feeling good. Goes into the hospital. They run all these tests. They come back. You've got uh, unbelievable black lung. You have lung cancer. You have six months or less to live. This is a gentleman who's oh, probably sixty years old. Um, at a wonderful time in his life where he's semi-retired, has grandchildren that he loves and adores and that love and adore him, okay? So he is told that. He sees himself in the coffin after his death and also sees himself never 
hugging, kissing, playing with his beloved children or grandchildren again, and he quits cold turkey. That day, before he even got home from the doctor's office, no withdrawal at all, all right? And starts living his life every day like it's his last, enjoying his children and grandchildren, laughing, um, you know, sorry that he's going to die, of course, but also thinking, well, I guess I kind of brought it on myself. Goes back to the doctor for you know, all the treatment stuff that they want to do. And they run the test again. And they had made a mistake on the first test. And they come back in and tell him, we have checked and rechecked and rechecked this because of what we told you the first time. And those that first set of tests was flawed. You don't have a trace of cancer anywhere. As far as we can tell, you're going to live to 90 years old, okay? (laughs) Well, of course, after celebrating, the very next thing he wants to do is light up, man. Hey, I I don't even need to quit. If I've smoked all this time, three packs a day, and I don't have a trace of anything anywhere, and they're, you know, this isn't hurting me and likely won't. So he lights up. And immediately starts throwing up over and over and over and over and over. Says, wow, that's weird. Waits, uh, waits uh, 30, 45 minutes, lights up again, starts throwing up again. Well, long story short, he could not smoke anymore. Why? Because his internal programming about cigarettes had been deleted and new programming put in that had him in that coffin and with his children and grandchildren overriding by many, 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 many times his desire to smoke from a fear-based pain-pleasure perspective. And his body, mind, all worked together to say, nope, ain't going to happen again. No more. All right? So number two, if you hit bottom, really, and this can be spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally, mentally, okay? But it usually involves... A very, very powerful thought, feeling, and image, and your programming is changed in an instant, similar to maybe what you might call a near-death experience, all right? Number three is what I call a transformational aha, which means that I'm not in a near-death situation, but I experience new information about life, about health, about love, about God, about relationships, about whatever, and maybe and maybe I pray and meditate on that new information over and over and over and over and over again, and I finally reach a point where a light comes on. Oh, my goodness. 
wow, you might spontaneously say something like, I see, I get it now. You have a new programming picture inside you that you've never had before. Now, this is similar to the near-death experience. This is similar to the hitting bottom, except you're not hitting bottom. It's just on the basis of new information. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray and meditate hoping for a transformational aha every day. Now, I've had a number of them, okay? I've I've had three that I know of in the last three years about different issues. Not Not like the plain thing with the healing codes, but still a major life-altering aha. So I would highly recommend pray and meditate every day, not with expectation because that, that creates stress, but giving it up to God. I would love to have a transformational aha about um, being addicted to reading books all the time. I would ask and pray and seek a transformational aha over eating things that aren't good and good for me out of pain or seeking pleasure, which is fear-based. I'd love I ask for, seek, pray for a transformational aha about that where all of a sudden not by my willpower except the meditation and prayer part, my programming is totally changed about that issue, and I don't have to force myself not to eat those foods anymore. I don't want them. I can't eat them, like the gentleman with the cigarettes, okay? Number four, God can do a miracle, and I see them happen all the time. And that is my favorite way for change to happen, okay? Number five is that you consciously, intentionally, using tools, deprogram and reprogram about that addiction, about that area, about that pain, that pleasure, um, whatever that is in your life. And to do that, I would work on the addiction, desire, pain, and pleasure all separately. Now, there's some overlap there, but I would still address them all separately. The pain, the pleasure, the addiction, and the desire related to the thing that you want to change in your life. Some of us are scared by addiction, so don't call it an addiction. Call it something I want to change in my life that's that's not helping me, but maybe working against what I really want. That's a good definition. You don't have to use the word addiction. You don't have to think of it as as an addiction, okay? Something in my life that I want to change that's not helping me and maybe working against what I want, okay? But deal with all four of those, with the healing codes, with master key, separately, individually, all right, until all of them are no longer bothering you. 
okay? And at that point, it shouldn't be a matter of having to force it with willpower in order to quit that thing or to start the good, healthy thing. You should be able to do it just because, oh, okay, that's that's the better thing for me to do. Okay, cool, that's what I'm going to do. Where before you couldn't do it because your programming was saying, no, 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 we need this pain relief. Or, no, we need this pleasure because we are not okay in our current circumstances with what we have, what I am, etc. No, that programming has now been changed. Deleted, the, the computer virus is deleted, and new programming put in that, yes, I am okay, and what I need is not romance novels or chocolate or to work 80 hours a week or whatever else. What I need is love. And I'm not going to go after substitutes anymore. I'm committed to going after the real thing only. Because, you know, the addictions never satisfy anyway. You feel good for a few minutes, a few hours, and then usually you feel worse because you feel guilty because you know you're out of balance. You can feel and sense that you're out of balance about that. Okay? So my suggestion, if you need to be forcibly removed from the substance, Okay, go ahead. If you have to hit bottom, well, that's better than never changing, but that's that's going to be really, really painful, but it is probably better than never changing. I would work and pray and meditate for the transformational aha every single day. And those principles of the transformational aha are are primarily the things we talk about on this program, the spiritual laws of nature versus living for my pain-pleasure programming and, and, and what I might call the flesh. So I would seek that every day, pray and meditate and ask for those every single day. Ask God to do a miracle, but release expectations. Give it completely to Him and say, whatever you do, is is cool with me, yes or no. And then for sure, because we've got the screwdriver, get out the healing code, the master key, deal with the pain, the pleasure, the addiction, the desire, all separately until they're all below one related to that area that you want to change. And remember, you can't, Eliminate fear with fear, and every addiction is fear-based. It takes love.